You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm okay, but if I'm really honest, I haven't been doing super great lately. I'm kind of super, really, really down. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you and I talk all the time. We talk every day. And you know I've been thinking about going to therapy, but I've been to Mm -hmm. therapists before and I'm afraid that a therapist wouldn't understand all my disability stuff. And you know how much I love talking about disability, right? Yeah, I hear you have like a whole podcast about it. Right? I mean, I talk about it all the time, everywhere. And I'm just worried that I don't want to explain to a therapist like, what is ableism? What is disability? Like, I don't want to do that before we get into my stuff you know yeah that's fair you shouldn't have to like fully educate a therapist before starting a therapeutic process and i think that's really hard because honestly you deserve support from someone who gets it you get it you're my best you, like you're my best friend you get it what do you think i should do i mean i think you should find a disability informed support person to help you work through this if anyone listening to this is interested i'm actually offering disability informed support for $40 per session. Whoa, whoa, $40 a session? That's super cheap. The last time I checked, one session was like over a hundred bucks, but we can still talk about disability stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Like everything from like physical changes in your body to ableism and exploring internalized ableism, grief that comes with disability, chronic pain, all that good, terrible stuff that so many of us live it's so fun isn't it it's like so great and i i know you also do you also offer support for non-disabled people too right yeah i do support for able-bodied and non-disabled people as well because really i mean everyone gets sick or experiences illness or vulnerability at some time in their life and well that's a different experience than living with chronic disability i think it's all very related and if you're going through any sort of life change where you're having grief related to bodily change or body difference, I'm more than happy to support you with that as well. I think everybody deserves and needs affordable support. I think that it's such a great thing you're offering and I want to make sure that all the lovely listeners of Disability After Dark can reach you. How do they do that? Okay, well, right now they can reach me by email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S one zero at gmail.com and you can email me there to ask me questions or uh, let me know if you'd like more information or you can go straight to booking a support session with me awesome well i i can't i can't speak any more highly of this amazing thing i'm so excited that there's finally disability centered support for stuff like ableism and for stuff like internalized ableism and all the stuff that we go through that we never get to talk about and thank you so much for offering it and for putting yourself out there, Kristen. Aw, thanks, Andrew. I hope you feel better soon. Me too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com 
using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own Clonawilly or Clonapussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns so if you want to pick up your own clone a willy or clone a pussy kit right now head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code darkpod that's d-a-r-k-p-o-d at checkout right now and remember this is a deal that cannot be cloned Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm coming at you with a titillating reminder that pre-sales for the world's first disability-driven sex toy, the Bump and Joystick, are open right now. You can go to www.getbumpin.com. That's www.getbumpin.com. And you can pre-order your very own Bump and Joystick right now or... You can get a gift card for that deliciously disabled person in your life right now. Do it now. Go get it and be part of this amazing new innovation in sex tech. Thanks, friends. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your host, delectably disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started today. First things first, I gotta give a shout out to my friends who support the Patreon every week and keep the bright light shining on disability stories. And for that this week, I want to give a shout out to my friends. And all I all I saw in the in the Patreon form was they went by E and E. So I don't know if there are two people or multiple people with E in their name, but my weird awkward pun for you is thank you for your yearly pledge. Appreciate that. And you really E, really E. Real EE, make me happy that I do this show. Thank you so much for your pledge. And for your pledge, you get the show one day early on our super secret Patreon feed that gives you the show one day early and completely ad-free 
on that Patreon feed. So, thank you so much for your pledge. Remember that if you want to support the show, it would mean a lot to me if you supported the show in whatever way you can. Whether you want to do a Patreon, you can do it for as little as $1 a month, up to $5 a month, or a yearly amount if that works for your budget. I would really appreciate anything you can do because that money goes into me being a creator and being able to do what I do and put out this show once a week. Do you know we haven't had a rerun of our show in almost six years? I've been able to put out consistent, brand new content once a week, sometimes more than once a week with our bonus episodes. Things like a bump in podcast, things like quarantine and chill, all those different things we've done on this feed. I've been able to put out consistent, brand new content every week or more for six plus years and that is really in large part because you have helped me make this show what it is. We have been featured in magazines like Cosmo, magazines like LGBTQ Nation, um, magazines like Forbes. We were in fucking Forbes all because you wonderful people listen to the show and see the value in it. And I really just want to say thank you from the bottom of my crippled heart for making this show what it is and letting me continue to do what I do and share these stories. And, you know, we started out as a sex podcast and now we're an everything podcast about disability. Um, And I just am so thankful and grateful that you want to listen to my silly show every week that I make in my bedroom. It means so much to me. And I also want to just put a shout out again. If you want to be a guest, please be in touch. I would love to have more guests for the show. I would love to have you for an interview. And yes, some of you that have applied to be guests are like, Andrew, you change the dates all the time. I know, I know, I'm aware. But sometimes disability gets in the way and sometimes I have to move things around because there is no production team. There is no team of people doing this. It's literally just me making this show go. So any help you can do from a a pledge to a review wherever you get podcasts, that means a lot. So thank you. But now, enough of my rambling, and let's get on to the show. On the show today, you're going to hear an interview that I recorded with my new friend, Jen Decker. We recorded this back in June of 2021, and we sit down and talk about our experiences of being queer, disabled, and having cerebral palsy, and I really loved sitting down with her. We talk about so much here, from grief of disability, to independence being actually interdependence, to more of our discussions of queerness and disability together. So much stuff we chat about here. And I really, really loved sitting down with Jen. One of the things that she says during the interview was, you know, realizing about her queerness and disability, she she was like, damn, why do I need another label? And that's what I've titled this episode. It was really, really fun to sit down with her and just shoot the shit about our disabled lives together and how how we deal with grief and how we deal with depression and how we deal with independence and so many other things that we chatted about. But I loved sitting down with her. Um, It was such a fun interview to do and so important. And I really, really hope you enjoy it. So here's my interview with my new friend, Jen Decker, 
right here on Disability After Dark. Jen Decker, hello. Hi, Andrew. Hi, it's so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I am so excited because you and I just talked off the air for like 10 minutes about how important this show was to you. So it's so nice to, to have you here. It's so great to have you here. Um, Jen, did you lose me? Nope, I'm still here. Uh, I wasn't sure if the, I wasn't sure if the audio died. Um, and it's so great. To, it's so awesome to have you here. Um, can you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, my name's Jen. I am a 43-year-old um, disabled female. Um, and um, I have cerebral palsy. I'm a power cool, chair me user. too. The best of the palsies. Right. The coolest. Totally. Um, and so that's my primary disability. I also deal with a lot of chronic pain. Me too. Uh, yay for chronic pain, man. Amazing. Gotta love it. It's so fun. And so I have, you know, the chronic pain thing going. Um, I also, um, I think you've had people with, um, talk about ostomies on your show before um i, I have, have um uh because i have what's called neurogenic bladder and bowel as a result of my cp i have um, both a colostomy um and a urostomy so i'm uh i have the uh ease i guess you could say of not actually having to get on the toilet when it when i have to do what i have to do you know um, what as somebody with both bladder and bowel things, part of me is like, that would be amazing. I would love to go anywhere, but I want to, and I want to get into more of that because like, because I'm reaching that point of disability where I'm like, maybe this is the thing I should consider doing. And I would, I would totally, I don't mind going there. I totally talk to you about that because it's definitely makes, made things easier for me. I would love to. Some, hey audience, sometimes we talk about shit on this show and that's, we might just do that today. So right? we might just have to talk about some literal shit, right? Might, yeah. Might just have to. I had diarrhea last night. It was a good time. Um, <laughs> no, it suck balls, but whatever. Um, so, so you have CP like me, the best of the palsies. Can you tell me a little bit about how your disabilities impact just your day to day as Jen? Sure. Um, I, I like to think of myself as someone who's pretty independent once I'm up in the chair, you know, once I've had help in the morning to, to get up and do what I need to do. Um, you know, I can manage like some simple clothes and stuff myself, but for the most part, like if I want to look presentable, um, I gotta have someone help me with that. Um, I, um, have a lot of spasticity, which I know you can totally relate to, Andrew. Yep, yep. Um, fun, fun. Um, so good. Love it. Love it. Definitely a lot of spasticity going on, especially in my legs. Um, my left arm is, um, you know, pretty much useless. I have um, a little bit of use of like my upper arm, but as far as like hand function, I rely um, all on my right side. Um, if so, I'm basically doing a lot of stuff one-handed. Yeah, me too. 
I, yeah. I get that. And I, yeah. Yeah, I have the exact same, the exact same presentation. My left side works a little bit and I can like typey type with it, but that's about all it's really good for. Yep. Yep. Can't do, can't do much with it. Um, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's atrophied. It's like, I've got contractors in that arm and stuff. So it kind of does its own thing, has a mind of its own sometimes. Um, but, um, my right arm is pretty strong. So I do pretty much everything with that side. Um, I'm very fortunate that, um, my, my parents from a very early age taught me the value of independence. And as much as I might've pissed and moaned about it as a kid where I was like, no, why do, why do I have to take 20 minutes to do something that, you know, um, you can help me within five could. Yeah, exactly. But now that I am an adult and I like live alone, it, I think it's given me the ability to be more independent as an adult. So I'm, um, I'm grateful for it. Um, this is a question that I didn't write down, but I, I thought I was thinking a lot as you were talking, what is, what does independence mean for you as a disabled person? Like what, cause I know for all of us, it's such a different journey and, and independence can mean so many different things. So for you, what does it mean? That's a really good question because it means so many different things on, you know, so many different levels for different people. And for me, it can mean different, you know, um, different things on different days sometimes, you know, um, but for me, it's being able to do as much as I can comfortably and, you know, not having to push myself to the point of like being in excruciating pain, but being able to say like, okay, I am, you know, pleased with what body was allowing me to do on any, any given day. How do you feel about the idea of, because I, I kind of been saying in my like public forums that like, I think that part of independence is also learning when to ask for help. How do you as a disabled person feel about that? I agree 110%. And I wish it's something that like, I wish that concept of independence right there is something that like we learned about as kids as disabled kids. Right? Yeah, I really couldn't agree more with you about this for sure, for sure. Yeah, because if if I had been taught as, you know, a young person that, you know, everybody has to ask for help sometimes with anything, whether or not they have a disability, I would have had a much different outlook on asking for help. Um, you know, it's still not something that I like to do, um, because I want to be able to do as much as I can by myself. Um, but I think had that subtle shift that you just mentioned about, you know, everybody needs help, you know, from someone for something, um, and that sort of interdependence kind of thing, um, you know, had that been presented as like a, um, and even an option. Yeah, an option, a more inclusive definition so that independence wasn't just something that a person with a disability had to achieve, that it, you know, means different things for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And I fully agree with this. You also mentioned, again, something I didn't write down. You're just coming up with all the things I want to ask you that we didn't write down, which is great. I love conversations like this, but I wanted to ask you... um, you mentioned, you know, part of independence for you is making disability comfortable or being doing things as comfortably as you can. What does, 
how would you define disability comfort? Um, I think for me, it's, it's, um, that's, that's a concept that I'm still really kind of toying with. It's a matter of, um, me learning to have a little more respect for my body and its limits. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. That's, that's one that I, that I'm 37 years on. You're a little bit older than I am, but you know, we're around the same age and it's hard because we, when we grew up, we were taught that we were taught the old idea of disability activism, which was like, you can do anything, reach for the scars, you can be great and you can do anything you put your mind to. At least I was, I was told I could do anything, which when you get older and realize your limits, you're like, oh, wait, that thing you said I could do, I can't do it. Why? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, that, that concept is, can be super frustrating because, you know, there's things that I'm never going to be able to do, even if you dangle, you know, a million dollars in front of my nose and say, hey, Jen, if you can do X, Y, or Z, you know, here's a million dollars. I'm yeah. never going to be able to, to do certain things. And, you know, we can have, we can take steps in the right direction and have, you know, more accessible environments and universal design, which is awesome to, you know, level the playing field, but there's certain things that, you know, my body's never going to be able to do. And um, with chronic pain, as you know, Andrew, that can change what you can do on a daily basis. On a minute to minute basis. Yes, exactly. Right. And spasticity can change that too. And so for me, it's, it's been, it's a relatively new journey of, you know, that radical acceptance that the pain is there and knowing, okay, that's going to limit me. And I have to be at least somewhat okay with that. I don't have to like it, you know, but I have to, I have to live within it and I have to, um, you know, if I want to have the best day I can, I have to be respectful of my body screaming at me and saying, no, don't try to, you know, get yourself dressed on your own today, or don't try to, um, you know, be up in the chair too long, whatever, um, you know, really respecting those limits. And that's something that's, um, that's new for me because I'm usually, I'm, I'm a person that, because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of my disabled body, I will usually push it to the limit and have been known to, you know, just really not, not respect those limits and push and push. And then I end up in more pain or have more spasticity and, 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 you know, ultimately I'm the one that pays the price for that. Nobody else does. Yeah. Tell me more about that journey you're going through of, of not really loving your disabled body. Cause I understand it. I, I also live in a CP spastic tight chronic pain body. So I fully get where that comes from. And I also live with, you know, IBS and depression and anxiety and all these different things. So I a hundred percent know how that feels, but I think it's interesting to hear from another person with my disability. What is, what, where does that dislike of your body come from? Um, that's a really good question. I, Honestly, you know, I was thinking about that question because I knew we were going to talk about, you know, the disabled body and, and all of that. And I, I don't remember a time where I didn't have some level of dislike for my body. Um, you know, even, even as a kid, you know, getting frustrated because I couldn't run around on the playground like, you know, able-bodied 
kids could. And, you know, when you're little, when you're in like first, second grade, you don't understand why you just know you can't. Yeah. And, you know, so I remember, I remember it back, you know, as far as, as, you know, young grade school. And I think, um, you know, just growing up, um, around, like I, I, I knew other people with disabilities, but, um, I also, you know, was diagnosed with both depression and anxiety in my teen years. And that, um, as you know, as you struggle with both, you know that that can like derail the best of intentions that you have. Oh yeah, yeah. And knowing that you, and no, and I think also knowing that you have double diagnosis, like you, we learn very quickly to, as people with physical disabilities, we learn very quickly to accept the physical part of what we can't do or not even quickly accept it, but learn to live with it, whether we accept it or not, we learn to have it as part of our life. When that's compounded by, depression, which people with CP, I said this on my social media, but I don't don't know if I've said it here, people with CP, uh, you know, have three to four times higher likelihood of depression and anxiety. And so when we learn that this is also part of our journey, you're like, oh, fuck, well, I got to deal with that too now? Great. Awesome. Yeah, like something else. Come on now. Don't I have enough shit to deal with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was it like for you? Like, what was the journey of, of getting those diagnoses of the anxiety and depression? Um, that was really, really hard because teenage years are hard with a disability anyway. I mean, they're hard for like a typical teenager. They're even harder when you have a disability. And then when you're like in a place where you just hate yourself to the very core of your being, um, you know, that just makes things 10 times harder. And I have gone through times, you know, when I was first diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I didn't like, I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want to be around people. I was, I was very angry at the world. And I think a lot of it was, I was in retrospect, I was less angry at the world and more angry at having a disability. And I think that's really fair because I think, you know, most non-disabled teenagers go through, I hate the world, I hate you, fuck off, like, no, no, no. But what we go through as disabled teenagers is like, that's when all your hormones are raging. Plus you're realizing there are other things you can't do now. Like when I was a disabled teenager, I couldn't go to parties. I couldn't go hang out. I couldn't, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was, and I've said this before, I was very much like alone in my teenagehood and in my kind of growing up phase. And so- it was really hard for me because I was like, I can't do what the other kids are doing. And they already think I'm weird because they're kids. So no matter what I do, like it sucks. And there was no one to talk to about that because everybody would just say, Oh, you're a teenager. Like it's, it's just teen stuff. And I'd be like, no, it's disability stuff. Please like get somebody talk about this. Exactly. And then, you know, you throw in the queer element of things and you're all of a sudden you're a you know queer disabled teenager and that just messes everything up doesn't it oh yeah yeah i know it made things super hard for me what was your experience of like teenagehood queerness and disability can you give me like a little rundown of that sure um i went through um what i would say would be a phase of and i and i am in no way 
like saying anything negative towards people that identify as bisexual because bisexuality is awesome and I love it. But for me, I first came out as bi because it was safer for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm not alone in that. I think people who are not quite decisive about their sexuality will sometimes go in that direction and, you know, test the waters a little bit and um, they may not, for me, I just wasn't ready to say that I was a lesbian. And um, I still have days where I'm like, you know, damn it, why do, why do I have to have another label? Yeah. You know, because when you're already like live with a ton of labels, um, sometimes it's, it's really, it's been very hard for me to accept my lesbian identity at times because it is another label. And just, I was going to ask this later, but we're already here. So I'm going to just ask it now. Um, When you, like, what has the lesbian queer community been like towards you regarding disability? Have they been friendly? Have they been kind? Have they been totally not that? Yeah. um, When I was younger, um, it um, was definitely not cool. Um, I... I went to a Catholic high school. Um, Fun. So, yeah, and I got a great education there, so I can't knock them for that. But obviously, that's not a socially like accepting environment. Um, you know, at least not back in the day. I yeah. think they're a little more accepting now, um, but not so much then. And so, um, it was definitely you know that contributed, but. I, you know, fought against that lesbian identity because I didn't feel like I had a community around me. Um, You know, I had some um, kind of queer community outlets as, as a teen, but as I've, as I've gotten older, I don't really have a connection to the community. And I think, unfortunately, and Andrew, you've talked about this on the show before, you know, in order to accept, you know, oh, you're a lesbian with a disability, you have to be willing to entertain sexuality and disability in the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's surprising to me that the queer lesbian community wouldn't entertain that. I'm, I'm, I'm used to that from gay men, not wanting to even consider disability as a possibility, but I was, I'm a little bit surprised to hear that lesbianism can be the same way I would have I would have thought they would be a little bit more accepting yeah I mean I found I found pockets of acceptance but I think it's more you know it's as a as a LGBT community um disability still doesn't really have a home in the community as a whole um and you know you find individual people who are really awesome and get it and you know don't give a shit that you have a disability. They just want you to like celebrate who you are. But um, I think as a whole, um, you know, the LGBT community has a long way to go as far as attitudinal accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's, I, <laughs> I mean, I've been using other language to talk about that, but I like how you phrase that. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to say you, you can totally me. steal it. 
amazing. I'm stealing it right now. But but I also like, and one of the things you said about the about queerness and disability, they want us to celebrate who we are, but they'll never fuck us. They won't want to like we we can celebrate with them, you know, and yeah, you're included and yeah, we include you, but the minute we're like so can we get down with you or can we like get to know you and maybe see what happens with that clothes on? People are like, oh yeah, we didn't mean that. We just meant that you can be here. Yeah, we just meant, oh, let's go out and, you know, hang out for the night, like fully platonic. Nothing yeah. bad, you know? Or, you know, in, in some of my experiences, it'll be like, I'll totally flirt with you. But when you go to like seal the deal or figure out what's next, oh no, I was just, I was just kidding. It wasn't, wasn't real and so like it's frustrating for me because they want to celebrate us to be inclusive but the minute we say we also fuck too they're like oh no 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 that was just pretend right right exactly and you know let's face it a lot of the you know community spaces that are like frequented by the lgbt community may not even be something that we can get in the door of most of the time not what are the queer spaces for you like in um in where you are um i'm in new hampshire and the reminder i was like we just said it i forget where it is oh that's totally cool um there's um and i'm not a like i'm not big into like the bar scene or the club scene like i'd rather go out with like one or two people and hang out and just chit chat like i'm not a big drinker so yeah um, you know there's there's that piece too but um you know even for you know some of the um glbt uh you know teen organizations are not necessarily held in accessible places and that's when that's when you need the support the most i think you know when i was coming out as a as a teenager and struggling with that and you know knowing that there were some groups out there but i couldn't necessarily access them because they met in inaccessible spaces or you know um it's places that you know even now a lot of like you know even some of the like music venues you go to are really really tiny and you can barely get in the door or sometimes it's not worth it because you might be able to get in the door but you might not be able to get in the bathroom door which means you can't enjoy your evening um you know, things like that. So I mean, for you with the urostomy and the colostomy, for you, it's actually, it is accessible. You can just go, right? Right? Am I, is that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a little freedom and a little more freedom in that. But, you know, in the days before I had those surgeries, like that was definitely a concern. And, you know, that's a disabled people everywhere concern if you can't, you know, if like. You can't, pee, you can't be the end. Like you can't, like, you don't need to like go out for the night and worry about whether you're going to be able to in the right place you know yeah yeah no i i do know and, and with me now with my catheters uh, you know over the last four years now before if i had to pee and i really had to pee myself and i just peed it was fine now that the muscles don't work it's like great i have to pee and i can feel the pee but the pee won't come out without a catheter amazing which means that i either have to have somebody with me all the time <clears throat> have somebody with me all the time or i have to you know, hold this in until I get to a place where I can get somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. Which is a whole, whole nother deal because we don't need to feed into the stereotype that people with disabilities need to have somebody with them all the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's both the stereotype. The hard thing about that for me is that it's both a stereotype and also like 
a reality. So part of me is yeah. like, oh God. But yeah, I hear you. Um, let's go back to your feelings about your body. And I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. Yeah, so, sure. So what parts of your body, if you could... Like, tell me all the parts of your body that you don't like right now, because I think it's important that disabled people voice that. And then I have another question. That I, the parts of my body that I like am not a fan of. Yeah. Like, I don't know that it would be easier if I, you know, were to answer the flip side of that, because I, you know, I feel like we'd be here all day if I was talking about <laughs> all the parts of my body that I didn't like. All right, do the flip side. Okay. Um, it's, um, it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can say, and I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but I'm going to say it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can say like, I'm reasonably attractive and I have a nice smile. Um, and, but it's taken me a long time to get there. And, um, the other thing is I, I like the tattoos that I have. Um, and that's been a reclaiming, piece for me like one of the tattoos I have um says my body does not define me amazing and that is one it's on the inside of my right wrist so how were you able to soup were you able to supinate for that and not die in spastic pain (laughs) yeah I had to take some muscle relaxants um (laughs) but I could get my hand in the right position um tattoo artist did not know that I took muscle relaxants before before I went in but I did Uh, but um for me I got I got that tattoo and I got it where I got it um because like I said I use my right hand for everything because I can't use my left so forces me almost in every action I'm doing to have that my body does not define me as a reminder to me Um, and I got it when I was, um, I got that tattoo a handful of years ago when I'd gone through a lot of medical shit and a lot of, you know, I'd been through a year of just, it felt like constant, like being a patient and a lot of procedures and, you know, other crap that was related to my body. And so I was in a pretty deep depression around that, um, because that's a very easy trigger for my depression when there's a lot of body stuff going on. Um, and so I got that tattoo and, um, that's been really, um, you know, a help for me to just have that reminder, like literally right in front of my face to say, Hey, you know, disability is just one part of your identity. That's really awesome. And I think, you know, for me, the, I, I actually am doing the flip side for myself and trying to lean into the ways that it does define me so that I can't, so that, so that just for me, and this is my own personal thing, anybody who's listening who's like, no, I don't agree, that's fine. For, for me though, like it's wanting to come to terms with it and being like, okay, by leaning in really hard to what's going on and I breathe into it and I like let it define me in a way that's, just what it is maybe I'll feel better about it so I totally get your journey and I understand why but for me I'm trying a different tact yeah well you've talked about that um on social media Andrew about some of the like chronic health conditions that you have oh yeah um, uh, uh yes and and all that and I think that um I I've done similar things with like being you know the identity of someone that lives with chronic pain um, that was, that's something that I've 
had to really lean into because if I if I didn't, um, I think I would cry my eyes out and stay in bed 24 um, seven. Oh yeah. I've been there. I've had to, you know, that's something that I really, you know, to use your term have really had to lean into and really focus on the ways that it does impact me. Um, because I was trying too hard in the other direction. So I can, I can relate to both angles, um, just with different, you know, diagnoses and whatnot. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, can you tell me more about the parts of your body that you love? Like, so we love your smile, which I do love. It's very nice. Um, oh, and what other parts of yourself would you say? Like, oh, no, I like that. I, I feel good like that. Um, it's still a work in progress for me. So, you know, that I, I can't say that there's that there's other parts to it now. But it that's not to say that if you ask me and, you know, if we did a follow up on this episode in, you know, three months or six months that, depending on, you know, how my body was at, at any, um, at any given time, um, you know, that I would, um, that I would answer you differently. Um, I guess what I would say is like, I like with my journey with the chronic pain and spasticity has really taught me to appreciate like, you know, the, the little things like when I am, um, like right, um, in the past few months, I've been dealing with, um, not being able to be up and about and in my chair as much as I would like to be. So it's, you know, appreciating the days that like my body allows me to be up, you know, a full day or, you know, that my body allows me to, um, you know, maybe, um, put on clothes that aren't, like sweatpants and a t-shirt, not to say that sweatpants and a t-shirt don't have their place, but, you know, sometimes when you're in pain, you just want to wear like, you know, kind of hot, but you want to be able to wear nice clothes too. And when my body allows me to put on nice clothes and, you know, I can make myself look nice. Um, I appreciate days like that. Yeah. And I fully understand that feeling when you went like, and I'm so used to the, the sweats and the, the shirt because it's easier for me and it's easier for my caregiver, but there are moments where I'm like, oh, those jeans look really nice. I wish I could, you know, wear those. And so I fully, I fully understand that. I'm glad you have moments where your body is like, oh no, we can try this. Like, it's, I'm glad for you. Cause. Yeah. And I think for me, it's, it's really um, learning to appreciate those moments and knowing that and being okay with, you know, with a disabled body that, those may just be moments and appreciating them for what they are yeah and it's it sounds like and I love kind of what that you're basically a trip in progress we're like and we all are I am too like those moments are they fluctuate they go back and forth so it's not like you'll have moments where you're you love your body and moments where you don't and I think it's so much harder when we have disability compounded there because because we don't this is like one of the few places where people talk about this. I don't hear this conversation happening out in the world. And so I'm glad that we can have it together because I feel a lot of the same things. Yeah. And then, it, you know, unfortunately, when you throw in depression and anxiety, that just makes it, you know, 10 times harder. Like, you know, with the, at least for me, with the body acceptance, like, you know, the anxiety is always there, like is, you know, especially around like, 
you know, the bathroom stuff, even with the ostomies, like, are they going to leak on me while I'm out, like having fun with my friends or, you know, all of those, you know, little subtle anxieties that, you know, you have to deal with, like when you have a chronic medical condition or just, and then, you know, um, sometimes, you know, when I feel like I am in a better place with accepting my body and what it's able to do, you know, depression creeps in and says, Hmm, well, maybe not so much, you know, and, and Hmm. things get a little darker. Fun. Um, what let's, let's go into the anxiety bit for a minute. What, what is, let me pull up my proper question because I wrote it out so I wouldn't, so I'd know what I was going to say. What does, um, so I started this thing on my IG and my Twitter a while ago called I have crippling anxiety because, and so I'm wondering what is anxiety? How does anxiety play a role in your life as a disabled person? Other than like just the ostomies, what other ways do you, does disability anxiety manifest? Yeah. Um, for me, I have always felt some level of anxiety. And I think for me, sometimes, um, the anxiety is just there about navigating the world because, um, you know, you have, you have CP too. So maybe like you understand, you know, how there's those invisible aspects of disability. Like sometimes I have, you know, like proprioceptive deficits where like you have trouble telling like where your body is in space or, you know, things like, lack of directionality and so it yeah. takes don't ask and, me east yeah. west north south because i don't know where they are and i'll never know where right? they are <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of just i feel like um navigating the world can be anxiety provoking yeah when there's sometimes you know there might be some social cues that i don't get from people or you know reading directions or Um, sometimes like I, yeah, like all of those things, just they compound on like your normal everyday existence. And I remember one time I was walking out with this hot friend of mine and I had such a crush on him. We were walking from my house to go get coffee somewhere. And we were just talking about something. He goes, well, do you know where the leg, do you know which direction the leg is in? And I pointed to where the leg was in Toronto. And I was like, oh, it's over there. He goes, yeah, but which direction is that? And I was like, uh, uh, north. And he was, he was like, no, no, it's west. And he looked at me like, how could you not know it was west? And I was like, uh, and so I, I played it off like, oh, I just don't know, like whatever, haha, funny. But inside I was like, oh, now he thinks I'm less than because I didn't know a direction. He's going to think, of course, Andrew wouldn't know because he's disabled. Right, right, exactly. And it just, it, it paints a different picture of like the way somebody perceives you sometimes. And, you know, you can try to pass it off as a joke, but even when there's things that you have to pass off as humorous, like that can cause anxiety too. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I, I have felt that way in so many ways, like, like, you know, doing things with, as an, as a grown up disabled person, learning things about taxes and costs of things and like, how to calculate certain things about stuff that you do as an adult that I never thought I would have to until I grew up and realizing that I have a learning disability as part of my CP too is like, wow, that's a lot. 
Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat. I have a nonverbal learning disability that is as a result of, of my CP. So I feel like it's for me, a lot of the invisible things about CP um, are more difficult, more challenging, more labor intensive to deal with than just the fact that I can't walk. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we get older, we realize that, and that's hard because then when you, when you when you get older, there's still no one to talk to because no one else understands. So, right, right, and like I remember, you know, my mom telling me when I was younger, like, oh, you know, your body's going to age differently because you have CP. Like, you're gonna, you know, be you're gonna have chronic pain. You're gonna deal with like more stuff than the average person. But who, as a teenager or you know tween, wants to listen to their mom say something like that, right? No, you're like, mom, sh- mom, sh- I'm fine. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm all right. Right. Um, but now, I'm like, damn it, she was right. Yeah, like, oh, I guess you're right, mom. I guess you're right. Um, right. Let me just pull up my other these other questions. So. So one of the things you talked about a lot in, in your questionnaire to me and that I, was, that I was curious about, you said that for a long time in your life, your disabled body was off limits to you. What did you mean by that? And can you elaborate? Yeah, sure. Um, I remember like for the longest time and I still go through moments of this where I like wish that I could flat out deny that I had a body. like as weird as that sounds like well, just a body yeah just like I don't want this body and this is the body I'm stuck with so I'm gonna like deny that I have one at all but of course that's not reality you can't really do that you know because when you have a disabled body it's right there in front of you and you can't get away from it yeah you know um but you know um like there was um I've always had you know so much hatred um, towards my body that, you know, to the point where, you know, when my depression was really bad, I was, I, um, and I'll, you know, and I talk about this openly now, not as much when I was going through it, but, um, you know, I went through years of um, self-harm because um, of how I felt towards myself. Um, And fortunately I've, you know, moved beyond that now. but, you know, that was, that was something that I, um, you know, that was a step towards my like body denial. Like I didn't, didn't want to deal with it. Um, you know, um, for the longest time, you know, teenagers like go through the phase of, you know, exploring their body, like as they're getting older, like, oh, you know, I'm attracted to this person or, you know, self-exploration. I had, no concept of like, I did not, I had, you know, times where I did not want to look at my, you know, naked body. Um, I like was in that level of denial. Like I didn't even want to look at things and, um, you know, so the, um, the ages where, you know, people were, you know, exploring their body, getting, getting to know themselves, you know, um, masturbation, anything like that, you know, those were, those always felt off limits to me because I had so much hatred for my body. There's so much to unpack there. Like, 
Wow. There's a lot. I mean, first of all, I'm glad that you go through the self-harm phase. I'm glad you're still here and I appreciate that. So yay. Um, That means a lot. Thank you. Well, it's totally the truth. So hold on to that whenever you're having a bad day. But I'm wondering, I'm curious, um, as you've gotten older and gotten moved past that, not past, but moved through that, those feelings, to have you wanted to explore your body as an adult disabled person more? Yeah, it's just, it's still something that's fairly new for me. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that. It just is, you know. Um, but I um, have you know, um, been more open and more curious about things. Um, it's, um, actually, you know, one of the, um, reasons that I really took a liking to your work, Andrew, is because you've been, you've been so open about your own sexuality and your own journey and your own, you know, acceptance of your own body. And that's been, you know, when I first found your podcast, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago now, I was like, there's this guy that deals with like a lot of the same shit I do. And he's like talking about it and nothing bad is. <laughs> and he's like out there talking about it and laughing about it and, you know, bringing people into like this circle to let people know that like, you know, bodies are okay. And that was, that was like my first very, you know, like visceral response to your podcast. Wow, that's so nice. That's so that's I, I you know I make this thing for my bedroom and I never know if it's gonna I know I never know who's reaching I never know who's listening I never know if it's worth doing. Some days I'm like oh fuck I don't want to do it today like it's not worth like whatever. But to know that it's it gave you a lifeline to feel better about yourself. And when I talk about this stuff too, remember that yes I'm laughing about it and joking about it, but I underneath all that underneath like the Andrew Gerza persona that I put on for this there's an awkward fucked up person with disabilities that just wants to talk about this stuff too so don't feel don't feel discouraged if you're having a day where you know or days where you're not super it's not on but you're like okay here's how I feel and I think you know just that you know realizing that you know here you are as someone that's been through some of the same shit and like you are able to you know talk publicly about it and laugh about it and I was like it there it just made me feel really hopeful and it continues to and that's you know why one of the reasons I reached out to you know be outside of my comfort zone and be on a podcast um is this your first is this your first podcast ever yes what? Well, we should celebrate that. That's awesome. Well, I'm so honored then that my little show that I make in my bedroom is the first one. And I, that's, I'm, again, I'm so honored that you would want to listen to my ramblings and the things I do. And I mean, I mean, it's just, I'm, the stuff I talk about is what I'm feeling. And I kind of use this podcast, not only as a platform for other people to share stuff like you, but also like as my own journal to be like, today I feel like this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it, like, and I'll and I'll turn that back on you if you you know next time you have a day where you're like, why do I do this podcast? Like, should I keep doing it? Like, it really does make a difference. It it, it really, you know, I'm I know I'm only one person, but you know, I'm one person, and it's made a difference for me, and I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate well, we we can see here and appreciate each other forever and ever. I uh, know, right? We could, this the whole podcast could just be like let's appreciate each other, but which is awesome. But tell me a little bit more about 
um, your experience in the lesbian community. Do you have any like good stories to share about being being a disabled lesbian? Um, I haven't had enough of a like exposure to like a positive side of that community to really go there. Um, so for me, it's been, you know, just um, like learning to, you know, um, for me, sense, sense of humor, like is something I told you earlier, I wish I had, um, you know, um, learned about the value of it sooner. And so, you know, now I'm at least able to like, with the right people, you know, I can make jokes about my disability. I can make jokes about my lesbian identity, but it's not, um, I don't have enough of a positive experience with that community yet. I'm not knocking it. I hope that, you know, one day that will happen. Um, Ladies out there who are in (laughs) New Hampshire, like, you know, come hang out with Jen. She's cool. You know, do you, are you on any of the, like, the Tinder, the, like, the Bumble? Are you on any of those things? I, I haven't been. I did, um, I did a couple of, like, dating sites once, and then I chickened out, and I was, like, I, you know, I feel like I need someone who, you know, would just, like, create a profile for me and, like, make cuff, me. Cuff, hey, hi, <laughs> I'm right here. Let me know what you need me to do, and I'll write it out for you. And well, I, you know, we could, we could also do it right now on the show if you could, like, if you could like speak your profile into existence, how would you, if you were to try to get a, a, like a, a, a suitor or is it in the lesbian community, it's not a suitor. I guess it's a suit dress, a suit, a, a, a date. If you were to get a date, how would you describe yourself and your disabled yeah, self? It, it's so hard because I, I don't see all these qualities that other people see in me. Um, so that's what that's what the biggest roadblock is but you know I would like to be able to say to people you know I'm you know somewhat attractive you know power chair user who has a good sense of humor tends to be really compassionate good listener um and you know just likes to get to know people like I love to learn about people and you know I think I just um, for me, sometimes my, my disability limits the ways that I can get out and meet people. And, um, so I think, um, that can be, that can be a barrier. Um, but even it's, it's going to sound weird, but it's like, even thinking about it can be a barrier. So I, so I stopped doing anything about it. So I stopped like, you know, okay, so there's physical barriers. Well, you could do a social media, you know, profile on a dating site well then the depression kicks in and says well why would anybody want to date you anyway that kind of thing yeah yeah and like the way I think disabled people are ignored online or abused online through ableism is you know your need thinking about that is exhausting and painful and hard to navigate so I can understand why you're like why the fuck would I make a profile if I'm gonna go on there and no one's gonna talk to me anyway like why am I going to do that? Right. Cause like, I would not ever want to like do a profile that didn't say that I was a disabled person. Like I, um, you know, that's part of me. I'm not going like, to hide that on a, on some sort of like, you know, dating site profile, but I also know that it can unfortunately be, you know, 
a turnoff for people and because they are ableist and they have preconceived notions and, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, for, for people out there, like, you know, disability is just one part of any potential person that you're dating. Like, yeah not the be all and the end all and it's not it doesn't have to be some big scary thing you know there's there's you know a person it's a person with a disability it's not just a disability there's a person there too and just you know remember remember that when you're you know when you're considering dating a disabled person the disability or any interaction with a disabled person the disability is only one part of the identity yeah completely um and for some of us it's more it's more part of the identity for some it's not i think it's important that we listen to every single disabled person when they tell us how much of their identity disability takes and disability occupies and that's totally fine um if you were jen if you were to if you were to tell me your celebrity crush like your celebrity like lesbian crush who is it and why Hmm, that is a really, really good question. And, you know, I always, you know, I always crush on the straight ones. Always, always. Story of my life. Story of my life. Yep, got it. Um, Let's see. Um, I, my, my favorite show when it was on was ER. Um, you know what? I've been watching all 15 years of it right now because I'm bored. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love ER. So for the longest time, I had the biggest crush on Juliana Margulies. Oh, uh, yeah. She, no, like. No. Yeah, Nurse Pathway. And then Abby Lockhart, played by Maura Tierney. Um, yeah, she was. I, yeah, no, one those, of my favorite characters. Those that were long time you know celebrity crushes of mine and you know and you know the good thing about abby lockhart as a character she would totally be down with you being disabled because she's a doctor she knows how to deal with all that so she figured it out it's fine right right and then i can sleep with her character husband of, of luca kovach i yeah also equally as hot yes definitely. i mean we can just you it's fine it's fine if anybody wants to write that er fanfic i'm here for it hey can we do some uh you know queer community er fanfic out there and you know how cool would it be because there's there are some episodes this is a total tangent there's some episodes of that show where they try to deal with disability and they do it in in the worst possible ways so it'd be really cool to have fanfic of like two disabled characters of you and me in the er like flirting with kovach and lockhart (laughs) I know, right? Hilarious. We'll, Somebody we'll, write we'll this. We'll try to break them up, you know? We'll just... Somebody write this. Somebody make this ER Queer Crip fanfic happen. Queer Crip fanfic. Somebody should get off. I know. Where did, did you come up with that? I just did right now. <laughs> that was really good. Amazing. Amazing. Um, what advice, Jen, would you give to the lesbian community for them to be... For them to work on their anti-ableism, like what if you could, could just give them some pointers specifically to the lesbian community to, to make them more open to the, the possibility of dating a disabled person, what would you say? 
just, I would encourage people to be open-minded and, you know, think beyond stereotypes and beyond, you know, what they may have heard about people with disabilities or, you know, the disability community, any, you know, get rid of, get rid of those ableist thoughts and just, you know, we're people and give us a chance. And like, you know, we, we have the same desires, you know, as cheesy as it sounds like we have the same desires and wants as, as people without disabilities. And I think um, just be like having that awareness of, you know, that some of the, the ableist um, thoughts and perceptions that are out there and just go, go beyond and, and open, open your mind a little bit. And, um, you know, the, um, the LGBT community has been um, more open about other, you know, other identities in, in recent years. And I think we're getting there with disability, but just, you know, stay with it and be open-minded. Yep, I totally agree. And I, I would also, and I said this a bunch in the show, but I'll say it again. Um, you know, look at your ableism. Don't, don't necessarily just not do it. Look at it dead in its face and be like, oh, I was, I have ableist thoughts on that. Let me work on that, like, with the person if they're open to to, to learning with you. Then, then, then then confront that because I think people do this thing sometimes when they want to go on dates with us, especially if we're the disabled one in their able body, where they'll be like, yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. And then you get into like a situation where your disability is very prominent and they go, oh yeah, I wasn't super ready for that. So my thing is like, tell me the ablest things you have. Let's talk about them together. Even though it may not be the most comfy conversation, like let's still talk about it and then we'll go from there. Totally. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm fairly, you know, accepting when it comes to people's ableism in terms of like, if they don't know that something's ableist, you know, if they're not aware of it, I am totally okay with being the one that says, you know what, that comment, like totally out of line, no way, don't make a comment like that. Um, And I'll give, I'll give someone the benefit of the doubt if they were unaware, but it's where I get stuck. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, but where I get stuck is if people repeatedly do the same thing after I've attempted to raise their awareness of, you know, a given able. Yeah. Yeah. And and that part can be really frustrating. That part can be really hard. Um, how, ha- and this is not, again, not a question I wrote down, just one that I was like, I want to ask. How, sure. how has the disabled community been with you being queer? What, what has that been like? Um, I find that um, now it's a little more talked about, but I still don't feel like um, that disability and queerness as a combination is talked about enough. Yeah, I agree. It's very, it's very relegated to like white cis dudes with spinal cord injury if we're going to talk about sex period like yeah that that is 
there that you just made such a good point there and not to disparage you know of course not no 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 spinal cord injuries but that is where you know i feel like sexuality might come up like in a rehab setting but then you know you throw in um you know queerness on top of that and with a disability that can sometimes um you know make your body look very different because spasticity can like you know make you know a lot of involuntary movement sometimes or you know make your body do awkward things and and whatnot um but you just i feel like outside of that one little realm um sexuality and and disability um are still not talked about yep yep i couldn't agree more there was a question that I had that I also didn't write down that I wanted to ask you, which I now forget, but it was right into my tongue. So I'm going to come back to it right before we end. Sure. Um, what, you said that you kind of have, have honed a sense of humor as you've been going through all this stuff and like going through the journey of being a disabled person. What is like the most hilarious disability joke that you could come up with right now? Um... I don't know, just thinking about, you know, experiences that you had with disability that, you know, um, sometimes you, you know, have to either, you know, if you didn't laugh about them, you'd be crying about them. And, you know, give me like an example of. Yeah, sure. I I can just think about, you know, times where I like my colostomy has been like super active and there was you know, times where I have literally got, you know, literally shit on my personal care attendance, like explosively, uncontrollably because <laughs> of that. And, you know, normally where I would have cried, like we just looked at each other and just busted a gut laughing. Busted a gut sounds like the perfect way to freeze that too. Good. <laughs> like did that, but yeah, so true. Like, I mean, I could have been like oh my god I'm so ashamed of that and there's times where I have been ashamed of what my body's capable of you know certainly have been but um you know that that's one specific example where I've been able to laugh about it and you gotta have a sense of humor especially about shit for some reason um you you know humor because um there's enough stuff to cry about definitely um for sure but g- busting a gut is you should get that on a shirt somewhere <laughs> or busting a bag or something yeah um, i feel like that would be a thing um like i would we, get that shirt for the the two personal care attendants that i've shit on over the years too yeah and be like merry christmas this is for you love you thanks yeah yeah i feel like that would be that should be a thing um one of the things you said right at the beginning before we hit record, and I felt it was important to bring it up, was you said that you wanted to share your story so that young people who are queer and disabled who are going through kind of the experience of being queer and disabled don't have to kind of go through all of the things that we went through. And you want to tell your story so that they can feel supported in being queer and disabled. Um, what do you want to say to like the younger generations of queer disabled people out there? I think it's so important to have 
you know, a, you know, some sort of structure for mentoring when it comes to disability for, for one thing, you know, um, whether it's like a big brothers, big sisters type program, or, you know, um, like we could call it big brothers and big cripsters. Oh my God. (laughs) Somebody should do that. But I I feel like that's something that would have made a huge difference for me. Um, I was part of a team mentoring group of, you know, that was entirely comprised of people with various disabilities as a teenager. And that, um, you know, helped me find some sort of elements of my disabled identity. But that was something that I wish I could have had more positive, um, you know, role models out there, people with disabilities, whether it be, you know, as a mentor or even in, you know, like um, as disabled celebrities or, you know, just seeing disabled people in the public eye, um, you know, would have made a big difference for me. Um, And, you know, talking about disability and um, having the opportunity in a safe space to talk about disability, talk about sexuality, talk about sexuality and disability. Oh God, they coexist. What? Um, Shocker, shocker. We, um, you know, young people, just like any young person needs a safe place to explore their identity or their sexuality or any aspect of themselves, Um, you know, people with disabilities need that same, same safe space or outlet. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so that's why, you know, I think despite my, my own, you know, still being on my own journey of like my own comfort level with my own body, um, I want to, you know, put out there that, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to, you know, talk about things like this. It's okay to have conversations about disability and body image and sexuality. And, you know, instead of, um, you know, having someone that says, you know, these conversations aren't okay. Like these are the conversations that we we need to be having. You know, yeah. these are, are conversations that, you know, young people starting from, you know, even like, Man. yeah, I was going to say tween, you know, right around that tweenish space, you know, we need to have those conversations. People, you know, people with disabilities, you know, need to feel safe in their own body and need to feel comfortable in their own body. And I hope that by, you know, talking about it and having a a venue like your podcast, Andrew, to talk about it will, you know, reach people that are in that place that I was when I was younger, where I was, you know, so like wanting to deny that my body even existed. Like, I don't want other people to go through that. And it's, it's okay to have that journey, but you've got to keep, you know, kind of fighting your way through it and, you know, find, find joy in little things as, as trite as that sounds like find, find those little, little things, find relationships that 
you know, platonic or otherwise that make you happy. Find people that you can laugh with and that you can relate with. What brings you disabled joy? What brings me joy? Um, I think, um, like I said, I I'm big into like my um, like the tattoos that I have. In addition to the ones that I, the one that I told you about, I have um, hope and faith on my um, my left wrist, which was a real hard one to get because talk about getting that wrist into a good position for a tattoo. Yeah, um, but um, I. I think my tattoos have really, um, you know, um, given me a sense of like, hey, I have control about something body related. Um, And I think, you know, getting to the point where I'm like, I'm really realizing that I'm a happier person being able to talk about my body and talk about the frustrations and to talk about, you know, the curiosities that I've had about my body and, and what I've, you know, slowly come to accept about my, my body. Like I, if you talked to me six months ago, we would have had a totally different conversation because I wouldn't have been open about, like, I would have been too scared to talk about stuff like this. So um, I think like just it, brings me joy to be able to even though I'm still at an you know fairly early point in my like self-acceptance which sounds weird to say in my mid-40s I know um but like there's there's joy in being able to have a conversation like this oh that's great I love that um I could sit and talk with you for five more hours but I know the audience is like we don't want to hear that uh so how do the people, how can the people get a hold of you? How can they follow you? How can they support you? How do they, how can they reach out to you if they want to talk more? Sure. Um, I don't have a huge social media presence. Um, best way to find me is on Facebook, uh, Jennifer Decker. And um, definitely open to any, you know, messages, any, anything through Facebook Um you know, I think um, this, you know, getting to know you, Andrew, has been a great way to, you know, connect with some other people and, and all that. So I appreciate you asking because I would love, you know, anybody that wants to connect and just say, hey, and tell me that you, you know, tell me one thing that you appreciated about this episode or something like that, you know, would mean a lot. Yeah, and if you want to, if you if you have trouble finding Jen, because Facebook can be weird sometimes, um, I'll put a link to her thing in the show notes. And also, if you want to reach out to Disability After Dark, and if you listen to this one and you want to send Jen just a word of encouragement, do that. Email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. I say us because it's me. Email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. There is no team. It's me. Uh, email me, and I will send the note over to Jen, and that'd be great. All right, Jen Decker, this is so fun. Thank you so much for coming on and being so raw and vulnerable and sharing your story and shining a bright light on it for us because we need more stuff like this and we need more conversations like this out in the world. So I'm glad I got to do this with you. This has been so awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much for the opportunity and it's been my pleasure. Anytime. And I would love to find a way to have you back for a different kind of episode for a fun, different kind of thing. We'll figure it out. Works for me. Okay, talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. 
All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore, or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.